Hi, welcome to On The Daily, a podcast about finding the acoustic you. I'm your host, Danielle McCleary. I am a serial optimist and a champion of people who has long been on a search to truly see people and help you peel back all of your layers and become the most acoustic, authentic, and best version of yourself. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Welcome to On The Daily. I'm pumped about this episode. This episode is with my dear friend, Tiana. Tiana is a singer. She's an actor. She's a dancer. She's an activist. She's a fitness instructor. She is a beautiful black woman with so much love in her heart. And this conversation just is so important and so valuable. I think that one thing this girl does really well is listen, but also educate and do it in a way that is loving. And it's been really fun to watch her journey to activism and all the things that she is today. And so I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation that we had. If you are just joining the podcast, welcome to the family. I want you to know that you can pick any episode you want. They are not in sequential order. Last week, I got to interview my friend, Nick Prattley. We talked all about energy and how we can be better at our own energy. And that is something that I'm still beaming about. So go back and listen to the episodes. Pick anyone with a title that resonates with you and jump right in. This episode is brought to you by the Upstarter Pods Network. Obviously, it takes a village to create a podcast. And if you have a podcast or if you are looking to start a podcast, maybe you just need some coaching and some advice. Go check them out. Email chase at upstarterpods.com or you can slide into their DMs at upstarterpods on Instagram. Get your questions answered. Let them know I sent you. And now here's my interview with my friend, Tiana Okoye. Hello on the Daily Family. Welcome, my dear friend, Tiana. Hi, T. Hi. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Living and yeah. breathing. Yeah. I'm so happy to see you. Likewise, lady. Likewise. Yeah. You are a gem of a human being. And so I am just so pumped for everybody to hear you and your words and your voice and everything you have to say today. I start every episode with a clearing. If you've listened to the podcast, mm-hmm. you've heard it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So anything you need to clear before we dive into this? You know, yeah, I'm just going to give space to the fact that times are crazy. This week, scheduling has kind of been, I guess, really for the whole month of February. I have felt just overwhelmed. I actually just listened to your talk with Angela, and she was mentioning just being stretched. And I feel that so much. That resonated so hard with me because I feel like I'm being stretched in so many different directions. But other than that, I feel good. Today's a good, good day. I'm glad today's better than most. I'm saying. glad you listened to that episode. I'm <gasps> still obsessed with that episode. That episode was so great. Yeah, it's really great. I love that. And I agree. We actually, so we like went to San Diego yesterday and then we like raced back and like normally Owen's at school on Wednesdays. And, but because we like played hooky today, he's like napping. So there's this like, 
when that happens, like all moms out there will understand this. There is like a time where your child is asleep and you're like, how much can I possibly get done in like the two hours that you are going to be napping? (laughs) That's crazy because I feel the same way about my boyfriend. Like, what can I get done while you are gone? (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, oh, wow, there's so many things I can get done right now while you're doing that thing. I'm going to go and do all of these things. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Okay. So we're on the same page. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, now that that's out of the way. So... I think one of the biggest reasons why I really, I mean, so many reasons why I wanted you on this podcast, but one of the big reasons was I have watched you pivot in such a really beautiful way over the last, I would say, I mean, two years, but like a lot in the last year, just in so many spaces of your life, on your platforms, like in your relationships, I've watched you do it. And you know, and I, I know that there's more that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see, but how it's looked from the outside is that you have just really been authentic in the way that you are feeling, in the way that you are moving through the times that we are in. And honestly, like being of service to people, like you've really been of service to people. And that is something that I've just, I've told you so many times how beautiful I think the work that you've been doing is. So I want to go into that, but I also just, who is Tiana? Like over, I mean, you can, you can go back as far as you want, but like, I mean, just who are you? Who are you right now? Where, where are you? Who is Tiana? That is such, that's a big question. I'm forever finding the answer to that question, I think. And I think we all are. I think it's always good to remember that we are evolving and becoming and growing every day. Tiana is a dreamer. I think really big. I think big picture. I am an overworker, an overanalyzer, and that's to my detriment. I spread myself thin. I'm a people person. I'm an introvert, but like an extroverted introvert. They call us popular introverts. Yes. That's what I was trying to remember what you were talking about with Kyle. Popular, popular introvert. I'm a popular introvert. Excuse me. Yes. I'm a popular introvert. I'm an actor. I am a transformer. I'm a fitness instructor. I'm a trainer. I'm a dancer. I'm a mover. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot to tea, I guess. I guess recently this year, I found out that I'm an organizer. (laughs) And I'm an activist. And I never, I still sort of feel a little bit weird calling myself that sort of new territory for me. But yeah, I'm all of those things and so much more, I guess. (laughs) You definitely forgot singer. You have one of the most (gasps) Ah! incredible voices I've ever heard in my entire life. And I will not let you forget to say that. I'm a singer. I guess I'm artist, all encompassing. We'll do that. But yes, I'm a singer. I'm a singer. You are an artist for sure. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. You know, there's some things that you want to attach yourself to and there's some things that sometimes I feel not strong in. And that's right now in this moment, that is a part of myself where I am not feeling 100% confident. And so I forget, which is really sad, honestly, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I am Mm -hmm. a singer. 
I am. <laughs> it's so interesting to hear you say that because I think too, as we take on more roles, we go, okay, but am I still that other thing? You mm-hmm. know, like I had a moment a couple months ago, actually, because like, obviously, I still teach Soul Cycle, but I'm not there full time anymore, you know, and I mean, who knows if I'll go back full time ish, like, when we do end up going back inside, I mean, I'll probably add a few more classes, but I don't think I'm going to go back like full time anymore. And I had a moment where I was like, can I even still say that I'm a fitness instructor? But I think like, just because we've added more you know, and we've, we've added like a new color to our wheel does not mean that we are not those other things. Absolutely. I've been feeling that so hard lately. Just, I sort of had like an identity crisis a couple times during this pandemic, but around August, I became full-time with berries for the first, for the first time. I hadn't Mm -hmm. been full-time prior to that. I had just been kind of on the outskirts. I loved teaching. I loved the company. I loved the brand. I loved everyone I worked with. But I never wanted to fully make that commitment because I was afraid. I was, one, afraid, honestly, just period. Afraid, period. I was afraid of claiming that title. Two, I was afraid of claiming that title and then that pulling away from my acting career. And those two things combined, I think, were what were holding me back from becoming full time. And then, I mean, I'm so I feel so lucky that I have been full time. But at the same, you know, in that same moment, I don't really feel like an actor most days because I I'm teaching so much, which Mm -hmm. I love. I love I love. But I just have to constantly remind myself that I'm all of these things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just like life has its ebbs and flows, so do where we put our energy and I'm capable of all of these things. So it's, it's difficult, easier said than done, but that's kind of where I'm at in terms of all of that. I love that. I love that. Yes, you're so right. I mean, I know that feeling and I know so many other people feel that too. I think especially over, you mentioned an identity crisis, which is, I want you to elaborate on that, but it's like, I think that there are so many people that are probably listening to this who, especially in the last year, have kind of, I guess, had to have a conversation with themselves of who am I? What is my role or roles in life, in the work that I do, in my family? I mean, so many different questions. And you mentioned you've gone through a couple identity crises. Crises? Crises? Crises. Yes, yes crises. And <laughs> I remember one of them, you and I were talking, this might have even been before the pandemic. This is why I said a couple years, I've watched you pivot because you and I had a conversation. I don't know if you remember this, but you and I had a conversation where you were saying like, I am realizing, and I am not going to put this in the same words that you did, because I don't say it as eloquently as you do, but you said something along the lines of, I am really tapping into the fact that I am a Black woman. And I had a moment where I went, oh my gosh, what do you mean? And you you basically like broke that down for me. And it was the most beautiful. I mean, I was such a vulnerable moment, you know? And so I'm wondering, is that one of your identity crises that you've gone through? And then what else? Can you just elaborate on some of those identity crises? Oh my gosh. Yes. So now I'm thinking back to your first question and I'm like, oh what a big part of what makes Tiana like I'm a black woman, you know? 
So I'm adding that to the list. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah, that's top five. That's maybe number one because hello. Yes, I did. I had this moment. I don't know. I guess this great and I feel like I'm very late to this game, but sort of a moment of awakening where I sort of looked around and I realized that all these things that have happened to me in my past growing up, all of these things that I've let roll off my shoulders, a lot of those moments that made me who I am today were because I am a black woman, you know, whether it has been I've, you know, been forced to fit into a box, even I mean, getting into a slightly a little bit of colorism as like a light skinned black woman, like put into a box there. Mm. And during the pandemic, specifically during this time, I just feel I don't know, I've had a moment to like just really connect to me being black. And what does that mean for T? Because for so long, I didn't feel black enough. <laughs> I didn't feel black enough. And that's what you told me. Those were the words that you used. Yes. And I, yeah. 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 I've realized you said, what did you say? You said, I realized recently that I haven't felt black enough my whole life. And I just, my jaw dropped. I remember this conversation so vividly, this mm-hmm. beautiful moment that, oh, yes. Elaborate. Yeah. Oh man, elaborating. Okay. So my mom is white. She's Italian, Irish. She's a mixing pot of all that. My dad is an immigrant. He came here when he was 21. He's Nigerian. And just shout out Niger- mom and dad. Yes. Shout out. I love, love you, you both. <laughs> you the best. So I guess I feel really lucky that I grew up in the household that I did. Because I was always aware of the fact that I, yes, was black, but my parents never made me believe that it was going to set me back. But now today I'm realizing that was a little bit to my detriment because in that I found reasons to justify my close proximity to whiteness (laughs) and, you know, whether it was like how hard I was working, you know, all these things like still to this day that I, you know, these demons that I'm trying to conquer, overworking, perfectionism, all of those things, you have to be twice as good to get half as much, all these things that you hear and they're just sort of hovering around you in that atmosphere influence the way that you operate as a human, you know, and it definitely influenced me. (sighs) And so I'm still trying to like tackle all of that. But in that I've done a lot of listening, a lot of discovering. And I've come to a moment where I realize that like that all is okay. And it does inform who I am. And as long as that I'm still growing and evolving and advocating for people of color and women of color and trans women, I mean, the whole everyone that falls underneath that marginalized group, that is where my energy is focused at the moment. And that is where I hope it is always focused because just showing that love and like reminding people that they don't need to fit into a box is Mm -hmm. like my new God, what's the word? Mission? Mission and spark. Yeah. Like I just, I'm always kind of keeping my head on a swivel for 
any language that surrounds, you know, confining people into Mm. what society thinks that they should be. So that got really deep, really fast. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, I love it. Yeah, it's been a journey for sure. And like I said, I'm still learning. I'm still I'm still having to have people remind me as well that, hey, Tiana, like this isn't you don't have to do that. You don't have to subscribe to that. You know, you don't have to ask. You don't have to ask for permission. <laughs> Ooh, give me an example. Like, what are some of these things that have happened recently that somebody's reminded you? Uh, well, I am on the board of a nonprofit called Broadway for Racial Justice. And our mission is to amplify, support, and uplift BIPOC in the theatrical community. So Broadway stages and the theatrical community at large regionally at and, you know, in schools, whatever the case may be. More recently, we have been focusing on creating a writer, a writer for Broadway performers to have when they're signing contracts. It says, this is what I'm doing. And if this doesn't happen, I'm not working here. And just so everybody's aware who like isn't in, you know, show business, a writer is basically like if Jayla was to perform at the Super Bowl and she's like, I need 19 cases of Avion and I need, you know, uh, I need like a diffuser that only has lavender essential oil. It's like it's a list of like needs and wants for an artist. So you guys are creating this, but it's it sounds like it's a little bit it's not so much like I need water. It's more like here are my requirements to be able to do this with an open heart and like good faith. Yes. Well, it's so interesting that you brought that up because I was reminded of that yesterday. So we had a meeting to discuss discuss this writer and we're all putting it together, right? And we have actors, we have producers, we have union, you know, members, people that work for AEA and things like that, lawyers, everyone kind of on this call to discuss how we go about doing this. And I had to have a moment yesterday with my executive director of BFRJ where he had to remind me that we are going to do this regardless. <laughs> like this is just a step that we are taking to make sure that everyone is, but this is something that we are going to do. And I had to be reminded, as you said, Danielle, writers are typically for, okay, what kind of M&Ms do you want? Like, <laughs> I want the car only service. You yeah. know, I only want blue M&Ms. You know, I want car service from the theater. Like, whatever, all of that kind of stuff. But we forget that. We forget that that's just like an addition to a contract. So as performers, you know, when you are treated as a product, you forget that the show doesn't happen unless you're there. And louder. Yes, right? Like the show does not happen unless you are there. So if you're not valued, why do you want to be in these spaces? So we were kind of tackling that. A lot of people were speaking like, I'm not in the union. I'm not going to look to the union to try and protect me. That's why we were having this meeting. What can we do to make sure that people who are fresh out of college, people who are don't have their equity card are protected and respected in the theatrical space? And so... You know, I'm listening to everyone speak. It was a room full of a lot of people, and I'm listening to everyone speak. And I really think of myself as someone who can not only just have civil discourse, but also 
completely understand the other side, even if it's like a different opinion from mine, right? So I, I really just tried to listen and understand. Some people were speaking that we should contact the union and, you know, this, this, and that and try to get them to protect us. And I disagreed, but I listened. And so afterwards, I spoke to my executive director and I said, well, you know, what if we did and we need to work together and we need to do this? And he goes, Tiana, this is a writer. We don't actually need to do anything. These people were invited to this meeting. They don't show up. You know, we ask for help. They don't show up. So this is for us, you know? Mm -hmm. So just, I don't know, I'm constantly being reminded of that, especially in that space with Broadway for Racial Justice. I'm always having to kind of like take a look in the mirror and like, you know, really remember, oh, yes, okay, that's a bad habit. That's an allergy that I <laughs> I have from from the past, you know, that I am outgrowing. And so, I don't know, I just really support surrounding yourself with people like that that can remind you like, hey, Tiana, that's white supremacy knocking on your door. You know, you don't need that. This is your, it's your life. And at the end of the day, you don't need every agent and manager on that call to make decisions for you because this is, it's just your, it's your career. It's your life. <laughs> this is what you want. This is what you need. And it's just as important and valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you said about you have always, cause I share this with you. I share this. I think it's a superpower, the ability to listen and have conversations, really honest, genuine, loving conversations with people that you may not agree with. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on that because I think that has been a skill that I personally have really leaned into in the last year. Mm -hmm. And I know you have too, just by watching, you know, what you did with the election and, you know, how you helped register voters and, you know, you did so much work and it's like, I know where you stand. Most people know where you stand, but you obviously had to have a lot of conversations with people that you didn't agree with and still probably do, whether it's Broadway for racial justice or the election or, you know, like, black injustice in, I mean, anything, right? You do. And I think I would love, do you find that your ability to do that has led to more understanding, like your ability to listen and have conversations with people that you might disagree with has led to more or less unity or in like understanding? Oh man, that's a big question. I hope that it's led to more understanding. I really do. But there are some things I think a lot of people are misinformed about. And, you know, comfortability is such a huge thing, especially Mm -hmm. in our society. Like we are a very individualistic society, group of people, Mm -hmm. country. People are always going to be out for themselves, but that was never the intent of our human race. Like we were never meant to be, to operate in that way. And I think that people forget that, that all of this work and activism is about bringing people back, back home, (laughs) back to the land and back to the people. And like, that's what I'm about. You know, I never, 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 never saw myself like as an active, listen, I cared about, I still do Standing Rock and, you know, the Dakota Access Pipeline and Line 3, all of those things, you know, I am listening in on and I knew, but I never have felt such like a visceral reaction to this work 
as much as I have within the past year. And a lot of that I think has to do not only with like (laughs) my process and how I've evolved and been able to connect back to myself, but Mm -hmm. also in how I've connected to other people and listening and learning right before the election, our guests in June following George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor. I can't believe like we are up on a year from all of that. But last June, my friend and I started an organization, the High for Change, and it because we just wanted a place to talk about it. And going back to, you know, my community and and my circle of friends, like I told you before, like I grew up in very close proximity to whiteness, and that got me a lot of opportunities, you know. And so I kind of saw that moment as an opportunity to have conversation and to educate. And to like share these experiences. And that was really, really, really hard for me. The aftermath of and like the exhaustion emotionally that that took on me was very hard. I remember that there were a couple of times I said, I like called you. I was like, just so you know, you're allowed to take a break also. Like you're oh allowed my God. to sleep. Yes. But I just was screaming, you know, I was screaming like, Hey, don't forget, like, I'm still your friend. And I'm, I'm also, I'm still black, <laughs> like, you know, and I just felt like I was like screaming this, just trying to call people in just to listen and created, you know, this organization to have these conversations so that people would show up. And you know what? Like people showed up and people didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And that was the most beautiful thing and the most difficult thing at the same time. Because you see who's up for the transformation, who's up for listening, who wants to advocate for you. And then you see who's too scared, who's too comfortable, who's unafraid of exploring that. And I just wish that those people who were too scared and afraid and unwilling and comfortable would just kind of open their eyes up to the fact that I'm still... I'm still your friend and I'm still a human. And like we shared all these experiences together. But yeah, yeah, so some connections were lost and still, you know, and that wasn't even revolving around any conversation. It was just a complete disregard for everything I was involving myself in. And it was hard because I felt, you know, like this was the moment where I was really, really finding my truth. Mm -hmm. And yes, you were there when. I had all these accomplishments, right? I booked a Broadway show. I got this big pilot on NBC, like huge milestones, big moments for T. This was my moment. Like this beat everything else. You know what I mean? Like this coming back to self, coming back to people, coming back to Tiana, like that was my time. And it was really... Mm beautiful and also sad to see who saw that and who was there for that to witness, Mm. you know? It's so interesting to hear you say that because it's like when someone, your friend books a Broadway show or when your friend books like a NBC pilot, you're, you know, you shout from the rooftops, you are so pumped, you know? And I remember when you booked that pilot, I mean, Mm -hmm. reason I literally did like a Tiana parade in our (laughs) room, we were We were so happy for you. But I remember when you really leaned into the work that you've been doing and the way that you just put it, it was like returning to self. How 
beautiful, right? And obviously, like you just said, that made some people very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Maybe because, I mean, for whatever reason, right? It's so interesting because obviously I am white Irish. <laughs> I mean, I am white. And, you know, but so much of of the community and the people that I've always surrounded myself has always been such a diverse network. And so it was such a cool learning year for me as well. Somebody who is an ally and like really like will advocate for anyone who needs it, like regardless of who you are. And so when this all happened, I remember having like very, very tough conversations with some of my friends who are also white. Mm-hmm. And those conversations were not hateful. They weren't mean. They weren't of bad nature. They were all from love. And it really did, yeah. like you said, it just came down to a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication because I, I feel I feel like so many people, they, you know, that nobody wants to be called out, right? Nobody wants to admit that maybe, maybe not directly, but indirectly, they have either benefited from or, you know, been a part of something that has Mm -hmm. directly hurt or injured someone else, right? We can like, we can talk about that with race. We can talk about that with gender. We can talk about that with sexuality. I mean, there's just so many different spaces that we can talk about that. Yes. And I've never been, you know, the whole year I was, I'm not going to be the person that like looks at someone in the face and says, everything you've been doing is wrong and change your ways or you are a horrible person. That was never my MO. That never will be my MO. But I remember when you started really leaning into this work, I had a moment where I just had so much adoration and just like admiration for you because it did feel, it did feel like you were returning to who Tiana was and who maybe Tiana always wanted to be. And I commend you very deeply because to grow up half white, right? Because you're half white, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to grow up half white and to have like you said, close proximity to whiteness. I'm sure when you dug into your work, your life's work, the work that you feel was authentic and genuine and where you needed to be, I'm sure having those conversations with your white community, you know, was tough. And I, I, oh my gosh, yeah. I commend you for the way in which you did it because you didn't have to be as nice. And as loving, you know, like you didn't have to be, but you were. And I just, I want you to know that even if a lot of people didn't see that, that you wish would have, Mm -hmm. I saw it. And I know a lot of other people who saw it. And I think that, I think the work you're doing is really important. I really, really do. Thank you. Thanks. It's so interesting. And what you said about how I didn't have to be nice just really clings on to me because... (laughs) At BFRJ, we really focus, there's different types of justice systems, right? There's punitive justice that is actually rooted in white supremacy, and that's cancel culture. And then there's transformative justice. Transformative justice is calling people in. Mm. And calling in actually also means calling out, mm-hmm. you know? So yes, it's calling someone out and it's saying, hey, you haven't seen these things, but they this year they are revealed. And what are you going to do with that information? Mm-hmm. But it's also important to remember that, and I'm reminding myself and I'm reminding others that like Black 
people are not a monolith and everyone is going to have different life experiences. Like I said, yes. I mean, if I can admit that I have grown up in close proximity to whiteness, benefited from white supremacy as a light, you know, in colorism, as a light skinned black woman, if I can come clean and understand that, like I, it's really, really difficult for me to have conversation, engage with someone who is unwilling to see, see that, you know, because anyway, so <laughs> with that, with yeah, that, being, but it's yeah, hard. it's hard for people to really, and I saw that a lot, like it was really hard for people to admit or to acknowledge that. I mean, I, I think about, you know, anybody I knew that just grew up in, you know, a really small town where it was pretty much one color mm-hmm. and, you know, there's this, well, I'm not that way. Cause like, I'm not that way. And I think the conversations I've been having a lot were, no, I know that I know in your, in your heart of hearts, you do love everybody and there's no prejudice in your heart. And, and it's not a, but it's an, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have to recognize that because these things do exist and there are people who are saying, this is a thing. This is my reality. This is my truth and the truth of this person. And that means like nobody's speaking for anybody else. Mm -hmm. I realized this year, my biggest lesson that I woke up to in the last year was, you know, even like my one, I mean, I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends in the BIPOC community, but Mm -hmm. my like one voice from the black community does not mean, you know, all voices, one voice of the LGBT community. It's Mm -hmm. like I tell people all the time, just because you know Danielle who happens to identify in the LGBT community does not mean that you know the experience of the LGBT Mm -hmm. community, right? And that's something that I on a personal level, like, I don't even know if I identify as a lesbian, you know, like I've obviously been with men. I still find men very attractive. So it's like, I can't, I can't speak for everybody, even as a member of this community. So what's that been like? Just because obviously your experience is so, is unique, right? Mm -hmm. And there's people that there's people in the BIPOC community that don't have your close proximity to whiteness. And I'm sure that you say that that's something you had to admit and that was hard for you, but I bet also it gave you a way in which you could communicate better because it's an experience you also understood. Oh my gosh. Yes. 100%. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, as I mentioned before, I mean, obviously we as a race are not a monolith. People are going to have their different experiences and respond to moments of racial injustice differently. And that has to be respected. And that has to be, that was something that I talked about in a conversation. I had a conversation for the Schubert Theater last week. Cool. And I, in New York, and we sat and it was a panel. And there were six of us there. And I mean, Broadway elites were in this room. Like, it was like me and Brandon, big casting director, Victor, LaShawn's Vanessa Williams and this woman Janelle was moderating the whole thing. And we're having a conversation about this. And that was, that was something that I brought up, you know, how one person responds is how they respond. And I'm going to look at you in, in our theatrical space or out on the street. And I'm going to say, I see you. Mm -hmm. I see you and I support you. And even though your way of doing it might not be my way, I'm going to back you up. I'm here. I'm here for you. 
Mm. Because the moment that you turn your back on that is the moment that you subscribe to white supremacy culture, which is one way or the highway. And that is mm-hmm. not that is not what we're getting back to. So I love that. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been perfect. I really, really haven't. And I recognize that in the past. I've sort of looked because I have been the token black friend for like ever. Okay. Like Pilar. Yeah. Which like now you can look at this and you can be like, if I'm like, yeah. I'm, and this is, this is me like speaking for you and I'm not speaking for you, but I am. I'm like, we're doing a role play here. You're like, yeah. if I, Tiana, am your token black friend, like then you don't like you haven't even spoken to somebody who doesn't have proximity to whiteness. Yeah. And that's exactly it, Danielle. It's people, it's getting back to that comfort thing again. Like it's getting back to that and remembering that the reason why I've been in those spaces, because I've been able to fit into those spaces. Mm -hmm. A lot of people like don't want to code switch and they should never have to you know, and, and operate like that. And I don't know. So I just am, I'm always, always keeping my eyes open to that. And when I see that in myself or when I see that in others, because, you know, I'm done with like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. Like, yeah, it should, like, we should be uncomfortable and you you should lean into that. You should really tap into what exactly makes you uncomfortable. Is it because you haven't been around many people of color in your life? you know, different types of people of color. Like, are you not used, you know? And and I think that that's the root of it all. We're not used to seeing very many people in power that look like me or, yeah, that, that. (laughs) So it gets very, I don't know, makes people uncomfortable, I think. Yeah. I love what you just said about you when you were in that room and you were doing the, the panel at the Schubert Theater, how I think what a lot of people miss and this is this can be applied to any injustice, right? Mm-hmm. Or just any situation in general. I mean, you've seen so many people who are friends in real life become enemies over the internet over the last year, which is wild yeah. to me. But I think one of the things that I've been trying to really work on is I have my truth. Tiana has her truth. This person over here has their truth. All of those truths are are true to that person. So it's it's like I'm not ever trying to take away anyone else's truth when I have difficult conversations. I'm just wondering, can you have your truth and can I have my truth and can we see each other's truth and fight for equity and equality in both of those things? Mhm. Exactly. Because yeah. If, if both can't exist at the same time, then that's a problem. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, that was a lot of the conversations I had phone banking during the election. It was, wow, what a learning experience to to speak to someone in Georgia who looks like me, who voted for the person I didn't vote for, you know, and just Wild, hearing yeah. that. Yeah. And just like, ah, uh, and I, a lot of, you know, I, I listen to him and I hear and I understand that like a lot can't be, it's not really like my job to fully educate him. Right. But when people are so attached to fulfilling their comfort and kind of going back to those things, they're going to subscribe to that on every channel on Instagram, on Facebook, and they're going to look for it and they're going to 
cling on to it. And well, it's biased. Yeah. You're going to look for the bias. Yeah. 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 And that's the hardest part is like recognizing that, you know, that, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm only seeing all these things because I'm searching for it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I'm reading this book right now. I talk about this book all the time, but I'm reading this book called The Miracle Equation. It's by Hal Elrod. Yeah. 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 So in this book, he very different circumstance. He's talking more about the ability to accept your circumstances and not like dwell on them, you know, and then he does bring up, he goes, you know, even you could even apply this to like being angry at somebody who doesn't agree with you. Or, you know, if somebody makes a decision, you know, if like he was talking about, he got in a horrible car accident and people for a long time were asking him like, don't you just like hate the person that was drunk driving and hit you? And he goes, well, no, because I have to take a step back and go, if I grew up where they grew up with those parents in that situation and saw the things that person saw and did the things that person did and went through the things that person went through, would I have also made the decision to drink and drive that night? I don't know. And you, what you just said just struck me because it's so true. Like We can't speak for other people if we've never walked anywhere near their shoes. Mm-hmm. right like we just can't and and that's where listening and having genuine conversations and saying i hear you mm-hmm. and i see you yeah can you also hear and see me yeah it's just giving people a different world view <laughs> you know that's it it's just saying like i'm not and that was what i had to tell myself before i phone banked because i would get like so riled up i'm not here Yes, I'm kind of here to change your mind. But that's not the objective of my <laughs> of my conversation with you. I'm just I'm here to give you a little bit more information, listen to you and provide you with some resources so that you can have a different world view. That is it. And that's what we were hoping to do with the high for change, you know? Like we had a huge group of people we'd have meetings of like 30 in the you know during the election now we're a little bit smaller cuz everyone's like burnt out but we'd have these conversations and we wouldn't pretend to be experts you know mm-hmm. like i'm not going to pretend like i know everything i'm not but i do listen to my gut and what what seems off and i do lean into that you know so i am i am up for some discourse but yeah, I don't know. It's so it's so interesting how far people will go to stay comfortable, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just creating that conversation, making sure that your objective is just to give someone another world view is just so essential to creating any sort of civil discourse with someone that you disagree with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've just like really am enjoying this conversation and I just think it's it's so I don't know. It's so valuable because, you know, everybody, I think not everybody, I can't speak for everybody, but from what I've seen, a lot of people, if you try to have conversations, the immediate reaction is defense. And, you know, imagine if, (laughs) imagine if we could have conversations with people and the immediate reaction wasn't always defense, but it was radical listening Mm, radical listening and radical empathy. Empathy. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes, but I am here and I see you and I believe you. I believe you. And because of that, I'm going to make sure that you have an equal 
and equitable voice at whichever table we are ever at in this mm-hmm. life. Can you mm-hmm. imagine if everybody did that? Oh my God. Yes. Because we wouldn't have to agree, right? It's like, and I think there's like a common misconception that when we, when like you do work with a phone bank that you're trying to just get everybody to think one way and it's, that's so far from the point. No, 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 no. We're not trying to get people to just everybody feel the same way about everything. But imagine if we could have our truths and the way that we were raised and all of the things that have contributed to who we are. Mm-hmm. And have empathy and the ability to radically listen to other people that have completely different life experiences than us. What a beautiful freaking world that would be. 100%. It would be so beautiful. And I think it just circles back to what we were first talking about. And it's like bringing people back to the land and back to people, you know? Yeah. I hope that today and every day, I will always operate from a place of like, okay, this isn't just going to benefit. Does this only benefit me or who else can I bring along? Like, is this going to be good for everyone? And I think if we operated more from that path than just for ourselves, we'd go really far. (laughs) We would, yeah, the world would be a better place, but it's not by offering that same opportunity to everybody. Everybody's going to take it. It's not like, you know, you offer the same opportunities to every person, are they all going to take it? No, no, they're Mm -hmm. not. And that's okay. But if they're not even given that opportunity, then what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's not just about listening. It's about engaging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's engaging so that you come to a better understanding and then you can uplift, you can amplify and you can come back home. You know, that's it. Yeah. So I have another question. I have like one more kind of two-part question for you. So knowing after all this growth and transformation and coming back to self that you've done, these pivots that you've gone through over the last couple years of your life, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh my gosh. Wow. You know, this was something that I used to hang on very, very heavy. Like I would just cling on to five things. I'd say, I need an Emmy. I need an Oscar. I need a Tony. I need a house in the hills. I also need a house by the beach in Santa Barbara. <laughs> you know, I I would cling on to all of these material or, you know, acclamations. Milestone things. Milestones and acclamations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> now I have shifted away from that. And of course, although I do value having a nice home and seeing the fruits of my labor, you know, just grow and expand and maybe being recognized for that, I see myself always reaching back and seeing who I can bring along with me. And yeah. I, you know, I have this conversation with my friend Brandon quite frequently, actually, because the Tony list came out uh, for Broadway and, you know, he was upset because there weren't any show. I, we all were like, you know, everyone's always upset when these award shows come out and you see the Golden Globe nominations and you see I May Destroy You not on the list. You see Lovecraft 
country not on the list. And you're like, that is some of the most brilliant work that I've ever seen. Those stories are so essential to just creating like a different worldview and understanding that and getting back to self, being recognized, representation, all of that. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they being... So I don't know. So for me, the awards, as much as it would be a huge, huge moment for me, I hope that if I ever did win, that all I would do is just list off all the people, all the projects that should have been nominated. <laughs> All the organizations to donate to. I would pull a Leo DiCaprio. Like, do you remember when he won his... And he just spent the whole time talking about the environment. Talking about the oceans and how like we need to take a better care of our planet. Yeah. There's not a lot of... What's the word I'm thinking of? Like, disruptors or like people who want to like really... Yeah. Yes. Like people who really want to shake things up and go into a space, find their way into a space and fuck it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really just say, actually, I'm not here to thank the Academy. I'm here to thank this person, you know, who didn't get nominated, this person mm-hmm. who should be alive today, like whatever, you know, and it may feel dark and it may feel weird, but that's what it is. Like this is, yeah. I don't know. It's so... I hope that that's where I would be and that I would still be doing the work. I still see myself doing Broadway for Racial Justice. I still see myself volunteering. Yeah. I mean, I watched the DNC this year and I was like, oh, can't wait till I'm hosting a day of the DNC. Like, I was like, <laughs> like, I was like I can't oh, wait for that either. I'm going to be hosting a, you know, like I just, I looked at Kerry Washington and I was like, that's me, Tracy Ellis Ross. That's me. Yeah. And I hope to be telling stories that need to be heard that haven't been heard before. And when I am not telling the stories, I hope that I am producing, amplifying and elevating the stories that should be told. Those of, you know, people in, in marginalized communities, those of, you know, queer LGBTQIA, like black, trans, whatever, plus size, like everything. I think we need more of that. I think the world needs to see it on a regular basis, period. So I hope that in five years, I'm helping to make that happen. I don't know what that looks like, but I hope hope that that's where I'm at. (laughs) That was a long answer. (laughs) I hope that that's where you're at too. I really do. I think that, you know, the whole premise of this podcast is to help people discover the most acoustic, authentic version of themselves, right? Like that's why Mm -hmm. I created this to lend space to voices that are not my own to, you know, hear stories of people so that others can hear those stories and see themselves in those stories. And I just know there's so many people that just heard that and went, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. 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 Where is acoustic really, really showing up for Tiana right now? Where is acoustic? You mean like what parts of my life are really stripped away or... Like, where do I mm-hmm. feel? Where do I yeah. feel the most acoustic? Yeah, like the most raw, the most, you know, self. Oh, man. This is a hard question because more recently, because I have been expending so much of my energy outward, you know, I'm having to come back to what does make me me again mm-hmm. and what makes me happy. <laughs> That's been hard to do because I see. I see so much that needs to be done and I want 
I want to have my hand in it and I want to help. But, oh man, where do I see acoustic? You know what? I feel the most acoustic, I'd say, when I am reading, when I am outside in nature, when I am walking on the beach, when I'm having like a moment of like almost like conscious, like meditation, (laughs) but like in motion, you know, like those are meditative moments for me where I'm in the zone and I feel connected to myself. When I wake up before my boyfriend and I'm able to like go outside and do my morning pages and just write or, you know, I'm reading Hood Feminism right now and I'm like feeling so connected to that book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That I feel the most acoustic also in the work I'm doing with BFRJ. I feel like every meeting, every executive meeting, executive board meeting that we have, I am learning something new that I'm being challenged in ways that I never thought I'd be challenged. I never thought I'd be on the board of a nonprofit. That just wasn't I mean, I was in a sorority in college and going to our philanthropy events, I was like, uh, like it just wasn't. I'm serious. <laughs> I was like, I have to go, or I have to sell tickets to the red dress gala. You know, like you're like, yay! I love philanthropy. I love it. Yeah, it was so weird. Like what Tiana just couldn't. It was weird. You know, we were in college. I mean, Wait, I was in who college. Does, who does anything in college? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who was she? Who was that girl? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel acoustic in moments like this, like when I'm just talking to you candidly and I'm flubbing my words and I'm getting caught up in my thoughts and, <laughs> and we're just like being real and authentic and shooting the shit. I, yeah, moments like that when I can kind of just like drop in and not really feel like I need to apologize for anything and just be authentically me. Yeah. You don't ever have to apologize for anything ever, by the way. <laughs> Here's me reminding you of that. But okay. First of all, I adore you. You know, I adore you. Adore, I adore you. Thank you for letting me amplify your beautiful, brave, courageous voice today because you're just so uniquely special. And I've told you that so many times. And it's like really cool to be your friend, but also be a fan, you know? So, oh, the feelings mutual that. love. We play a game at the end of every episode. You've listened, so you know the game. I know. (laughs) How are you with quick fire questions? How are you with this? I'm not good because I overthink everything. I really do. So I'm going to try. August 26th. I'm a Virgo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be tough for you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) She makes lists, guys. She makes lists. I'm a list maker. I am. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just see how it goes. Okay, you get one minute. I'm going to give you as many questions as possible. You're going to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Favorite candle? I have this candle that has stones in it. And I don't remember where I got it from, but my friend Jordan got it for me. And I think that's, that's my favorite candle because I light it with intention and there's rocks at the bottom. I love that. Favorite color? I don't have a favorite color anymore. But it used to be yellow, purple. Now it's kind of like orange and black. Favorite artist? Beyonce. Music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Easy. <laughs> Favorite vacation you've ever taken? 
Capo spring break. Just kidding. Just kidding. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was not my favorite vacation. Oh, wow. This wasn't really a vacation, I guess. But like living in Tokyo, I did have vacation moments. That was the most incredible experience. Just like being out of LA, being out of the States and really being immersed into a culture that was so different from mine and finding the beauty in that. That was amazing. I also really love St. John's and my Mm. mom took me there on an awards trip when I was younger and I said that it was heaven on earth. I told her Mm. that it was heaven on earth. I was like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. Yeah. All right. Last question because you are terrible at this game. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm sorry. Where is the first place you are going to travel to when you can? An island somewhere. Just an island. I just... (laughs) Yeah. Get me a beach. Get me mountains, both. Maybe something that you can drink out of a coconut. Yeah. That sounds really nice. Remember when we went to Hawaii? That would be great. (laughs) That'd be great. Let's do that again. Let's do that. (laughs) Okay. So if I want to connect with you, where do I find you? Tell me if people want to connect with Broadway for Racial Justice. Like they want to connect with Tiana. Like tell me all the things. Oh, okay. Well, you can go to Broadway for Racial Justice on Instagram at Broadway for Racial Justice. We're also at BFRJ.org. You can get involved with the Hive for Change. We're a small but mighty group. And we did so, so much in 2020. I'm so proud of. And we're continuing to host discussions every other week on important topics. So last week was juvenile justice and really understanding that system and, and how we can help. Other weeks we have focused on mental health and activism. We've also had deep discussions on native land and indigenous people and how to come back to the land and really focus our energy towards them. And yeah, so I guess the High for Change, highforchange.org. We're also on Instagram, but I run it and I'm terrible at posting anything. You can find me on Instagram, my personal page at T-O, it's spelled phonetically. T-E-E underscore O-H-H-H. And I think I, I'm on Twitter sometimes when I'm like feeling hot and heavy. So at Tiano Koye. When I'm like in a mood, I just kind of go off on Twitter. Bad so decisions. So does everyone. That's literally yeah. everybody's favorite thing to do. I'm really bad at it. I'm really, really bad at it. But I'm trying to be better. Yeah, I think that those are the things. That's where you can find me. Well, and we'll put it all in the show notes. So if you guys didn't hear that, you can always go to the show notes at the episode and you can you can see it there. But T, I love you <laughs> so much. Thank you, you for Thank being you. here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your words and your love and all the things. And I just can't wait for the next time we do this. Me too. Thanks, T. All right, friend. <laughs> love you. Love you. That girl, man, she's something special. I Thank you again, Tiana. If you are listening to this, you're incredible. And it was so fun to just have that conversation with you, but also just so important to have that conversation with you. It definitely went places that I didn't know it would, and I'm so glad it did. I think if you are a person who is looking to get involved and maybe you're intimidated or you don't know how to get involved, Tiana is such a good person to reach out to because she listens and she has a lot of empathy for all humans. So, you know, if racial 
social justice is something that you have wanted to be involved with, reach out to her. She obviously provided so many great resources and you can always go and follow those things, slide into her DMs. Obviously, like I said, all of those links and Instagram accounts are all listed in our show notes. You can always go find them there if you don't remember what they are. You can also go take Tiana's class. If you are local to Los Angeles, go take her Barry's class. She teaches Barry's boot camp. She also teaches Barry's ride, which is a cycle, like half cycle, half boot camp. Her class will kick your butt. So you can always go take her class there. Okay. So a few weeks ago, I was asked to try Organifi, which is a superfood company. And I am always down to try things that are good for me. And I have been using their red drink and their gold drink. Their red drink is all of your essential reds. Your gold drink is all of your turmeric and things that help you kind of wind down at the end of the night. I've been using them for a couple of weeks now, and I've really noticed a difference. I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables as it is, but having a dedicated red drink to make sure that I'm getting all of my beets and, you know, reds, raspberries, apples, all of my reds, fruits and veggies into my system very quickly. And then having a turmeric infused drink to have at night to calm me down and get my head away from any of the stress that's happening in my life. I'm obsessed with these products. I think you will be too. If you are interested in giving them a shot, head over to Organifi.com. Use my code on the daily for 20% off and let me know what you think. I'm loving them. So give them a shot. See if you like them too. And next week, another good friend of mine, her name is Jamie Sherman, Jamie Glass, however you know her. She is a entrepreneur. She's a business owner. She's a mom. She is so into fitness and wellness in general. And I think she's just brilliant. And she's actually been a huge inspiration to me over the last couple of years, for sure. So I'm excited for you to hear that interview. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. If you are not, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Give us a review. Tell us what you love about each episode. We love to read them. I seriously will read every single comment we get. Don't forget to give us a rating. Obviously, we love a good five stars. And you can always connect with us off of this channel. You can always find me on Instagram. I am Danielle underscore on the daily on Instagram. And the podcast is at on the daily pod. Again, I read every single DM. I read every single comment. So slide in, tell us what you love. Tell us what you want more of. Tell us any guests that we should hear from. If you are a guest, we should hear from. Tell us all of the things and we just can't wait to connect with you and we will see you next week. Have a beautiful day wherever you are. Bye.